praise in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. The following is a sermon recently preached at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this message. So the story continues. This chapter, chapter 2, is a continuation of chapter 1 in that it's, a, it's continuing to set the stage for the story of Esther. The first thing we see is Ahasuerus' problem. In verse 1, Ahasuerus' wrath subsided and he remembered Vashti and what had happened to her. Apparently he regretted his actions. He had deposed, a, a, remember he deposed Vashti for uh, refusing to come when he called her. But he regretted it because his servants had to, they found it necessary to suggest a plan to please the king. He was displeased. He needed to be pleased. So, so he had a problem. In verses 2 through 4, we, we, we hear of the plan. They suggest that officers be appointed for the collection of beautiful young virgins. The virgins were to be placed in Haggai's control and given duty preparations. And finally, the young woman who pleased the king would be made queen instead of Vashti. And the plan pleased the king. Go figure. The advisors of the king knew how to please the king. His servants knew that it was important to please the king. He was a sovereign king. If he was displeased, heads rolled. They knew how to please the king, and they knew that if they were going to please the king, they had to satisfy his pride and his anger and his lust. Therefore, they came up with a plan that would please the king. Next, we're introduced to Mordecai. We're introduced to Mordecai. His lineage is traced back to Benjamin. The historical relationship, this, this, this highlights the historical relationship between the Israelites and Amalek, which is, this will be brought up later on, but I wanted to highlight it now, that it's important that, that, that Mordecai was a descendant of Benjamin and he was the great-great-grandson of Kish. So when, we, when we read the name Kish, it brings to mind Saul, king of Israel. And uh, this is very important because later on in the story, next week, in chapter 3, we'll be introduced to Haman the Agagite. Ag Agag was the king of Amalek whom Saul defeated in battle, but was punished for not putting to death. So Mordecai is introduced to us. Mordecai is a Jew. He's a Benjamite. He's living in exile. He was brought up, he's brought up Esther his uncle's daughter, an orphan, and Esther was introduced to us. She was lovely and beautiful. Literally, the Hebrew here is she was beautiful of form and pleasant to look at. Beautiful of form and, and good to view. Esther was taken because of the king's command. She was taken into the... the the custody of Haggai, but she obtained favor there. She obtained the favor of Haggai, and he gave her the best place in the house. She kept her nationality a secret because Mordecai told her to, and Mordecai was concerned about her. He inquired after her daily. He paced in front of the gate. Then we have a description of the process and the of the preparation and selection of the maidens for the king. 
Six months of myrrh, six months perfume and preparations, and then she could take whatever she wanted from the house of the women to go to the king to make her best ploy to become the queen of Persia. Finally, Esther's turn comes, and she requested nothing from the house of the women but what was advised to her by Haggai. She trusted his advice because he had authority over the women and he knew the king and she was in his favor. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So she goes into the king in the tenth month of the seventh year of Ahasuerus' reign. Now if you remember last week we, we looked at uh, King Ahasuerus deposing of Abashi. It happened in his third year. So this is four years after King Ahasuerus deposed Vashti. Seven years into his reign, Esther goes in and she delights the king and he crowns her. She obtains grace and favor in his sight and she's made queen instead of Vashti. And then he throws a feast for all of his officials and servants. It's a holiday, a giving of gifts according to the generosity of the king. Then we have the story of Mordecai's service. This is Continuing to set the story. It's setting the stage for, for later story. We need to know that Esther is queen because Esther's queenship plays a vital role in the rest of the book. If she wasn't queen, there wouldn't be a story of Esther. Mordecai's service is important because the hinge of the book rests on this service. So Mordecai saves the king's life through Esther. Because he has continued concern for Esther. He, uh, he knows that Ahasuerus has an insatiable appetite and he's worried about her. So he continues to pay attention to what's going on in her life. He keeps, he keeps in communication with her. Esther uh, he has continued regard for Mordecai. She continues to obey him. She continues to keep her people and her nationality a secret. Mordecai discovers a plot by Big Than and Teresh and reports it to Esther, who informs the king in Mordecai's name. And uh, the plot's confirmed and they are hanged on a gallows. Now, the Hebrew is literally uh, uh, hanged on a tree and the Persian form of, of execution was impalement on a stake, which is what happens to Big Than and Teresh. But this is a story. And here the author is continuing to set the stage. Esther's position as queen is important for the story. Mordecai's lineage from Benjamin is important to the story. And the recording of Mordecai's plot is in the books. The king is important to the story. Now we already have some comparisons to draw here. First of all, we need to look at Esther and Vashti. Both of them were powerful women. Both of them were queens of Persia. Queens of Ahasuerus. And both of them were extremely beautiful. But they had differences. Esther obtained favor in the eyes of all in verse 15. Vashti, on the other hand, according to chapter 1, verse 16, not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus. Esther is given a crown. And the king throws a feast, the feast of Esther. Vashti threw a feast and her crown was taken from her. 
Esther was compliant. She was taken from her father, and she made the best of what the Lord gave her. She submitted to Haggai. Vashti refused to come. Esther's submission achieved her power and glory. And Vashti's power play cost her her crown. Now we'd like, I'd like to look a little bit at Esther and Mordecai's relationship. They were Jews in a, in, a, in a pagan land. They were vulnerable. Especially Esther. She was a beautiful woman. She was young. And she was an orphan in a pagan land. But she was a Jew, and her, and her uncle exercised his duty of being a kinsman redeemer and, and took her into his fold. He protected her. He put, he put a protection around her. He, he brought her up as his own daughter. But as a people, the Jews were a minority in Persia. They were vulnerable, as we shall see next week. Esther and Mordecai were faithful. They identified themselves as Jewish. They, 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 they saw themselves according to their people. That, that's why they kept it a secret, their people. So, but they, saw, they, they identified themselves with the Jews. They were faithful to their faith. They were faithful to their people. We're, we know that they were Jewish. Esther had two names, a Jewish name and a Persian name, Hadassah and Esther. And Esther's loveliness certainly owed something to her cousin's faithful upbringing and consistent attention. Esther was objectively very beautiful. She was objectively lovely. But we also know that she was well cared for by her adopted father. In verse 11, every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. He was concerned about her. He loved her. Mordecai had taught Esther how to be truly beautiful. So she was beautiful of spirit and in, in form. And we have further proof of their faithfulness coming in the, in, over the course of the book. There will be fasting and prayer that Esther and Mordecai engage in, mourning uh, according to Jewish custom, interceding on behalf of the Jews, but that's coming. But they were faithful Jews and they were vulnerable in the land where they were. And that's important for this story. Next, we're, uh, it, there's an interesting relationship between Mordecai and the king. We have Ahasuerus, who is this pagan king, who's a little bit impetuous. He's uh, harsh. And we have Mordecai. He's a Jew in exile under a pagan king. And Ahasuerus, he wasn't just a Jew in exile, but Ahasuerus had taken his daughter from him. And Mordecai, more than that, had the opportunity to allow the king to be destroyed through the uh, machinations of Big Than and Teresh. But he didn't. Instead, he saved the king's life. Mordecai was wise. Mordecai understood the times. We see this in two ways. 
First, he instructed Esther to keep her nationality a secret. Mordecai knew that it would not necessarily have been in Esther's benefit to, for it to be known that she was a Jewess. He instructed her to keep it a secret. And his wisdom is, is evident in his service to the king. He saved the king's life through Esther, and he went unrewarded, at least for now. But he knew that he was serving a greater master than Ahasuerus. As Mordecai understood that God has a plan. Mordecai understood that God is greater than pagan kings. So he was wise, and he knew the times. And, the, and, his, and, and this is consistent with what we learn from New Testament teaching on authority and power. It's called, the way I've, I've heard of it, is left-handed power. The gospel is left-handed power. And this is opposed to right-handed power. Now, so what is left-handed power? What is right-handed power? Right-handed power is top-down. It's, it's obvious it's the way the world sees it. It's the kind of power that Big Than and Teresh were planning on exercising. Going to kill the king. Ahasuerus understood right-handed power. You don't like something, you don't like somebody, you kill them. You say it, and it's done. It's, it's power by, 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 by might. The biggest stick wins the battle. Left-handed power is, 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 is a more submerse, sub, subversive. It's, it's, it's achieved by submission. It's by understanding that God is in control, and our faithfulness to Him will overcome our enemies. The Jews, Mordecai, was a Jew in exile. The Jews were in exile. They were under false, they were under the punishment of God. And so Mordecai understands that if when you are under other authority, under the authority of kings that may not that may not be worshiping God, that God can, even though you are in those circumstances, work through that and save you. Because God is sovereign. So how does this work? Well, Titus 3 tells us to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Titus was speaking to a Christian church that was under the control of a Roman government. Be subject to rulers and authorities. Obey. Be ready for every good work. Showing all humility. Humility is the path to glory. Humility is the path to power. Esther understood that. She submitted. And the king granted her grace and favor. In 1 Peter 2, we read, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Ahasuerus was harsh. When God puts legitimate authorities over us, even if they're harsh, we're, our calling is to submit to that. Accept it as a hard providence from God, but also a, a pray against it. 
praying for, for re redemption from it, for freedom from it. But be submissive. God can work through that. In Romans 13 we read, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. That was what Mordecai understood. Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Do you want to be unafraid of your wicked taskmasters? Don't give them anything to be angry with you about. For the authority is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now we're not left without examples in the Bible of how this works. Joseph submitted. He was a slave and he submitted. He, he focused on what he was given to do. And God lifted him up. He was good at home and he was sold into slavery. He was good under Potiphar and he was thrown into jail. And ultimately, he was good before Pharaoh and God blessed him for his faithfulness. David suffered under Saul, the anointed king. He refused to lay his hand on the anointed king, even when the anointed king was unjustly trying to kill him and chasing him all over the countryside. And God gave him into David's hand multiple times. And yet, David refused to hurt the king's anointed. God lifted him up. Jesus, speaking to Pilate, says, you would have no authority unless it was given to you from above. Jesus understood this. And Jesus is our example. God lifted him up on a cross. That's left-handed power. When Jesus was lifted up on the cross, all evil and sin, all power of the devil was destroyed. He crushed the head of the serpent. On Golgotha. Jesus died there, but he didn't stay dead because God is writing the story. Even to the point of death. Submission even to the point of death. And God can still give us victory over our enemies. Mordecai is another example. And Esther but we're a little premature for that in our story. We'll get more into that. Now Jesus is writing a story in the world. He's writing a story in the world with the life of the church. And this story follows some of the same patterns of the biblical stories, the Bible's stories. 
We need to be wise like Mordecai. We need to discern the times. We need to be faithful like Joseph and serve sometimes harsh taskmasters. We need to be humble like Jesus so God can lift us up and use us mightily for his service. Remember, God is in heaven and his providence knows no boundaries. That's the theme of Esther. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let's pray. Thank you for listening to this sermon that was recently preached at Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this message, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.